At Recruitment Mentors, we're on a mission to help as many recruitment consultants as possible to progress their career without limits. If you possess the hunger and drive to want to be the best recruiter you can be, this community is for you. Gain immediate access to some of the best recruitment professionals outside of your four walls that you can learn from to help level up your performance whilst also connecting you with like-minded recruitment consultants focused on growth. We're pleased to announce that we're opening up our doors to the rest of the recruitment industry on the 1st of February. Join our waiting list now at www.recruitmentmentors.com. That's www.recruitmentmentors.com to make sure you don't miss out on the community opening. You can find the link to sign up in the show notes. And now back to the episode. My name is Hisham Azuz and welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. For the last two and a half years, I have been obsessed with finding out what some of the most successful recruitment professionals and businesses around the world do differently. Having already sat down with over 200 recruiters across the globe, what's clear is every hugely successful recruiter has had help getting there. And on this podcast, it's my job to deconstruct how they have accelerated their recruitment career and remained at the top of their game by uncovering their daily habits, mindset, approach to leadership, and much, much more. Welcome back to another Recruitment Mentors podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And to make sure that you do not miss another episode, if you haven't already, hit follow, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform, whatever you're listening to this podcast on. And you should be very excited this week. I'm joined by, if I'm honest, a really inspirational recruitment entrepreneur. I'm joined by Blaine Dawes. And if you're a recruitment professional that wants to know how you can win more retained business, if you want to know how to have the courage to take that first leap and start your own recruitment business, Blaine started his business in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic last year. And if you're interested in what high-performing recruiters' mindset involves, how they approach their day, then you're going to enjoy this episode. So enough from me. I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get to it. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm uh, very excited to be joined by Blaine Dawes, who is the co-founder of Wanted, who are a professional search partner that operate in the technology space, which he launched in April this year with his business partner, Carl. Before this, Blaine has worked in the industry for over a decade, working his way up from consultant to head of division position, and along the way has achieved several top biller of the year achievements before launching his very own agency this year. Blaine, thank you for joining me. No, no, it's good good to be part of the podcast. I've been a been a subscriber for a while now. So it's good to finally oh, be here on. We are, from subscriber <laughs> to, to guest. So where I always like to start is, in your opinion, what characteristics yeah. and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? Yeah, I think there's two key ones for me. The first one is every morning having a healthy mind. 
And the second thing is being resilient because the job's tough at times and you've just got to keep knocking away um, with it. So they're the two key things for me. So um, tell me more about this healthy mind. That's interesting. I'm curious. Yeah, about. yeah. So healthy mind being just to start the day fresh with coming into the office, leaving any worries with you at home. I, I always say to all of my team or even myself, just I get up in the morning, look in the mirror, say, look, what do I want to achieve today? And just walk out the door with just a clean mind. Because if you bring things into work with you, um, everyone gets stressed at times, job, family, everything else, especially with the times that we're having at the moment, it can really distract you. Um, mm. And I'm just a big believer in, you know, healthy mind is key. Um, and just leaving all that stuff behind you, and just starting fresh because every day is a new day. Being present. Love that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where just just let's just focus on this for a second because I I love the fact that you've got you've that's one of your core attributes that you think for successful sure. recruiting. So I guess where does this come from, Blaine? Because I'm, I'm I'm sure this you haven't always had a healthy mind, right? So no, where no. <laughs> how how where where have you cultivated that from, or why has that become so important for you? Yeah, for me, I mean, um, I went through challenging times through my life, and you know, there's different things. You know, being a young dad and. Uh, a dad, you know, that I, I was never planning to have a child or anything like that. So, you know, it was How old was you? It was, um, so I was 24 because um, wow. my son is five now. So, yeah, um, it was it was early and uh, me and my wife, we just wasn't wasn't planning that. And um, it was when I was like pretty much just starting my my career properly in search. Um, and we didn't have, you know, a, a property. We were renting um, and having a child was so unexpected. And I, I learned early on is, um, you know, there was lots of financial challenges, lots of other challenges um, that every young person goes through. And for me, it was about, you know, tracking my success, but just making sure that my mind at all times was in a was in a clear state. Um, and that was the, the key. And, you know, I'd done really well from having that. Um, and I've, that's been a rule now that I literally just put into my book that, you know, it's so important just to just have a clear mind because you can be so distracted nowadays by the media or, or anything going on. And the problem is you can easily get down by that. And it's easier said than done, uh, but you've really got to be disciplined and just keep your mind healthy, whether that's exercising in the morning. So I get up in the morning and go for a long run or a bike ride, or, or maybe it's, you know, watching something because everyone has different drivers. For me, it's just about getting up and getting out the door and, and running and taking my mind off of stuff. Mm. And, and, and real, just, just, just last thing on this, cause I find this really interesting is, so if I'm listening right now and I'm that, I know that's maybe a weakness of mine or I, I do find it hard to have that clarity of mind or I am easily distracted or I don't have a sort of, um, I don't have that mindset towards starting a new day. Um, yeah. As you said, yeah, distractions or, uh, external influences that I can't control that might be affecting me. If that's family, if that's obviously life, what's yeah. going on right now? Yeah. Just, just if I'm feeling really, if I feel like my mind's more more cluttered and, and I'm finding it difficult to be present, like what would your advice, maybe three best bits of advice for me to get closer to having more of the mindset that you're talking about that clearly yeah, yeah, really sure. helps you? I think the first thing is, and it might sound stupid, is just t- take a breath, you know, take mm. a deep breath. Um, and just uh, evaluate things around you. You know what's positive. Focus on the positives. 
Um, if you can train the brain to just get the negatives away and just have the positives and, and breathe, you know, because a lot of people get panicked and anxiety and stuff like that. And it, most of it is, is down to breathing. Just take a deep breath, think of positive things, but also, you know, sometimes just, just look around you and just be grateful for kind of what you have. Um, so many people just want more, want more, want more, and there's pressures in, in, in work. But also I think it's so important to have two people around you that you can talk to at any time, um, whether that's professional or, or family, but just have two key people that you can just pick the phone up to and just, if you need to just literally just get everything out of you, they're there as a sounding board. And if you've got that, then it really does help. If you haven't, again, you know, just try and find someone. There's always people out there. And I'm always open to being one of them, them people as well. If someone needs a sounding board that's listening that can't get that healthy mind. Yeah, I love that. Do you, do you meditate? I, I haven't done the meditation thing. Um, I've yeah. got friends that do do it. Um, I'm just I, interested because you went to the breath, which obviously yeah, that's yeah, yeah. part of it, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. I know. Um, I haven't done it massively. Um, I've done different training exercises with breathing, which you could yeah, say nice. is a form of meditation. Oh, for sure. Um, but um, yeah, no, I haven't got deep into it because, uh, but I know that can really help as well. But maybe that's yeah. uh, on the to-do list next year. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's awesome. Okay. So let, let's start on unpacking this journey then, Blaine, because obviously, so you launched uh, the recruitment business, your own recruitment business in April this year. Yeah. Right? So um, obviously in, in um, challenging times and, and strange times. Yeah. But obviously there's a lot of things that you achieved before then, right? So I'm definitely keen to talk to you about what gave you the confidence to take the leap in these things. Sure. But very quickly, um, like how would you describe the beginning of your recruitment career? Uh, rocky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, I came from a, like a new business background um, within technology, but I was selling to different infrastructure companies. So I had an understanding of technology um, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know how to put sort of bums on seats, for example, in recruitment. Um, so I had to learn that from scratch, and I had to learn that really quickly because, like I say, um, I was uh, told I was going to be a dad about six months into my recruitment career. So it was wow. like I needed to learn fast. Um, but I, I learned the thing with recruitment was um, you can easily overcomplicate the process, and it's just about sticking to you know, a methodology um, that that you think works um, and just sticking to it and not going off course because um, recruitment's quite simple. If you stick to just the things that is important, uh, you can easily get sidetracked with different technology tools these days and different things. But if you just stick to the process, I'm a big believer, stick to a process that works and you'll get the results you want. And don't deviate from the process. Sometimes create new processes in it, but it's not just a one or two trick pony in recruitment. I think you've got to have different different ways of working with different clients. So, so what 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 if if you could go back and speak to to uh, Blaine, who just found out he's going to be a dad, first year in recruitment? Yeah. What would you say to him? Uh, brief. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think. I think the key thing was I was surrounded by good billers in my last company. 
um, everyone was a lot older, a lot mature than me. So the average age within that business was about 30 years old, which is oh, wow. obviously qu- quite old. And it was very much a traditional search business. So for me, I don't think I would have done much differently because I, I progressed really quickly. But I think the reason why I progressed quickly is that I surrounded myself by good people. They had a good process that I learned and I stuck to. Um, and I think it's just all about being sort of disciplined and really just, you know, understanding, you know, what drives candidates, what drives clients, really getting into the needs of those candidates and clients and really qualifying and not being afraid to lose business. Because I think a lot of consultants, they just want to win everything and sometimes anything. And I think sometimes it's better if you're more selective in the types of clients, the types of candidates you work with, and just being open and honest. If you can't help someone, just let them know. And feedback's critical. I just make sure that every candidate that I'm working with, I'm always feeding back to them and and, and also giving them guidance about what went wrong in the process. Um, now, I know that's harder for maybe if you're doing mass mass recruitment at scale, that's probably difficult. Um, where a lot of my work is retained or exclusive, I can easily sit here and say, well, you know, that's what I do with my candidates. I can understand if you're running 20 jobs and it's one consultant, then you can be overworked um, and it's sure. hard to do that. Okay. So just just to frame this up a bit then. So from what I saw online, so you've worked, before you set up Wanted, you worked at two companies. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. before before you set up your own agency, you progressed to the, the uh, being a head of division. Was it like eight people you had on your team? Yeah. You yeah. So um, when I left, there was around eight people, and I was a shareholder within the business as well. Um, okay. It was the best performing practice for three years running, um, and it was the practice that had the least amount of experience as well, because I I was running it because the people that did work in the business. They were great guys, but they'd been there for over 10 years, each of the the practice leads. Um, So they had a pretty much triple the amount of recruitment experience that I had. And you managed them? No, no. So they were, so there was, so we done, so I run the data center and AI division, another guy run the cyber. Oh, sorry, the other other practice leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But we were the best performing practice for three years. All right. So let, let's just let's just unpack that a bit, and then we'll we'll dig into the um you being a business owner and, and what you've learned. Yeah, there, yeah, definitely, right? yeah, sure. So, firstly, so obviously, like it's just interesting the words that you use, right? Calling it practice, and and obviously a lot of the things that you do is is mainly search. It's retained. So, like for anyone listening, right? There will be a lot of agency recruiters that listen to this, and and there will be people that listen to this that do work retained, or it might just yeah. be exclusive. Um, but there'll yeah. definitely be people that may want to do more retained as well so yeah i haven't had many recruiters on here that um sort of articulate or say yeah i, I worked for a search practice right it's a recruitment yeah. agency. That, that's what people call it right so sure. in your own words then like how what what is the main difference of you going i work for a search practice rather than me saying i work for a recruitment agency yeah it's a really good question and it's it's borderline because they are very similar Um, it's just the level you operate at. So typically I'm working with C-suite. So, you know, CIO, CIO, VP of sales, et cetera. Um, Most of them people aren't actively looking for a job. 
Um, some of them don't even have LinkedIn, believe it or not. Um, and, you know, it's just about really, really going deep, undercover, the client necessarily who's looking. It's probably normally that they're replacing someone that don't know they're getting replaced at a senior level. Sure. They cannot they cannot advertise the role directly. Um, they mm. cannot be seen to even be doing this. So you, you, you're like a very, very good detective <laughs> and you're <laughs> kind of just going under the radar, uh, normally under a non-disclosure agreement. And they will expect because of the fees that you charge typically is anywhere between 20 and 30% of total package. They expect a very good service for that. Um, and you would get a short list of say 10 people um, you would narrow that down to five. You'd meet all of those candidates face-to-face. You'd take them through an interview briefing session before presenting them to the client. Um, normally, that's done either face-to-face or uh, virtually nowadays on Teams. Um, and then from there, you know, you, you're, you're getting a payment. So normally, typically, the way a retainer would work is obviously it's a third up front, you know, a third on shortlist of the five candidates and a third on the candidate starting. Um, mm. And that's typically how it works. Now, I suppose the language of people that work in search and work in recruitment is quite different as well. And that's probably just down to the level you're operating at, the people you're speaking with, but also the level of service you're, you're providing. Um, sometimes, you know, in my old business and even with Wanted, we do psychometric testing um on certain leadership roles if, if it's needed and the client wants that um and typically when we go out to market or there's a bid that comes up um say for example i don't know x is looking for a ceo or a vp of sales you know we're going to be coming up against management consultancies russell reynolds corn ferry some of these mm. other smaller boutique search businesses as well um, we're not coming up against sort of say Michael Page or Reed, for example. Um, so I suppose it is very different um, in, in that sense um, yeah. because we're not just in a big pool full of sort of PSLs. Typically, the client will have a PSL, but then they have an exec search partner um, and um, that PSL do a lot of the volume work. The search partners may only do four or five hires. Yeah. Interesting. So... The next thing I want to ask you about is is the retainer piece, but very very quickly, Blaine. Yeah, there'll be a lot of people that listen to this that that do want to do more senior appointments that sure. because they recognise. I guess it's not it's not just oh yeah it means I can earn more money. It's actually the things that you're talking about that actually there's that perception of service, right? That, that sure. it's, 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 there's a, something that comes up with that that the client expects it, and and as a as a good recruiter that's what you want to go above and beyond on on, on that service rather than yeah maybe always being involved in that sort of lower level end where it is more transactional on these things right so how how did blaine late 20s whatever age you were deal with i guess the potential self-doubt of dealing with c-suite dealing with these old typically they're not always going to be older obviously but i think that's a really interesting thing if you think of uh typically recruiters and i was one of these people at the beginning of their career put clients on the pedestal let alone going into a search firm and dealing only with the c-suite and the senior people it'd be so easy i guess to fall into that so i guess how did young blaine 
deal with that? Did you have to deal with the self-doubt on that? How was that journey? Because I feel like that is something that people have to overcome when they want to sort of transition to the more senior appointments in their space. Yeah, sure. I, I, I did it by really gaining a knowledge of the client's business. So I always said that um, to do a good job for my clients, I need to kind of be like a candidate that would get a job in with that client. So I would always like read their latest press releases, look at their financial reports, look at the change that's happened within their business and talk about that change. I, I very rarely talk about recruitment. It's really interesting. I just typically talk about how their business is going, you know, what their growth plans are, you know, what sort of product lines they're looking to launch, um, if I can be of any assistance. So I try and be a partner to all of these companies. And I think that was the key thing for me. And you probably notice, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do Data Center World next year in Frankfurt. I've spoken at a lot of like tech conferences where the subject isn't really recruitment. It's normally like tackling the skill shortage. How can we get more talent into the sector, for example? It's not about, you know, okay, well, this is how I can help you recruit. Off the back of them shows, you don't normally get much recruitment business from it either. But what you do get is a name to be known in the industry. And I think that's what I did really well was being that sort of go-to person within the data center market, but you've got to find a niche and you need to be a specialist within it and you've got to have references to back you up. So I, I see a lot of people coming through the ranks and I look on their LinkedIn and, you know, they, they don't hardly have any recommendations or anything like that. And, but I think definitely in exec search, you, you've got to have C-level references visible um, because it gets to a stage as well where the industry is a little bit biased, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, eventually. Yeah. Um, so, so basically what helped you, I guess, it was you being really curious then and, and sort of, exactly. yeah, not, not going into these causal relationships, feeling like you have to know everything because you don't. It's, it's your no. job to be curious, no. ask the right questions and exactly. find out what their actual business problems are. And, and okay. So, so, okay, let's just talk about the, because let's just talk about the retained piece really quick. Yeah, because like, what was the, what was the average deal size for you then? It must have been um, quite big. So average deal size um, at the moment, I was just doing my stats for the year is forty k this year. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because what what's been? Because obviously, yeah. What obviously you said practice three um, times a year and the biggest performing whatever. But what what's been your best year then as a search consultant, billing wise? So billing billing wise, my best year, just me personally. Um, was without any resource or anything underneath me was uh three eight five right um and that was placing eight people <laughs> yeah. that's that's a crazy thing i think <laughs> yeah, Dude, yeah eight so, deals in a year yeah 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 it was eight deals um obviously large large yeah. deals um but again you know when you're charging you know 30% that was what it typically was um yeah. of package um and these packages three four hundred thousand it's not too hard to do yeah, um, yeah. in in the search world as well that's not that big it, I'll make you laugh I won't say the name but I actually was going to go and join a, a big search business and um I was in interview with a guy from Italy and he'd been there for 22 years he was a really great guy and I told him what I build and he said to me, yeah, that's not very good. 
I said, really? I thought it was amazing, right, coming from where I was. But it wasn't very good in his world. And he said, look, you know, well, our average search consultant bills, you know, 1.2 million. And our wow. top performing biller in the US is doing 4.2 million, it was. And I was like, wow. Um, and then I, I just was like, wow, I'm, I'm a bit of a little fish now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought it was a lot, but it wasn't. <laughs> like, for me, like, just... So, like, what's the average, like, process length then of that? Because that must be long as well. Yeah, I mean, the longest deal I'd done was, it was about four and a half months from start, start yeah. to finish. But what, what uh, typically, how long, how long might the process take? Typically, it's about three months um, right. a search should take. Yeah. Um, so... We, I did a retain retainer in April, and the candidates sort of started around August time, um, yeah. and that was sort of like a, a very senior. So I think that, that's a, that's a, that's a whole that's a sort of just different dynamic, isn't it? Like sort of doing all the things that you need to do during that time, and it's just typically longer and stuff like that, right? I think that's that that could be challenging. However, for I must I must say I was a you know, and I still am an out and out sort of search guy you could say but um i've learned the contract recruitment model and that was right. from carl and i absolutely love it and um just this year has been incredible because i kind of got my contract book up to forty thousand a month really um, yeah during covid um and, that, and that's like we've got quite a number of runners out um, yeah. and i loved it because it was a breath of fresh air i was like right Ring just way more like yeah yeah what more fast pace yeah. get him on site obviously carl is a you know contract recruiter entrepreneurial guy done serious amount of contract work but and uh, i've learned so much from carl for the contract piece and yeah. i absolutely love it um because you know i've just done two deals like this week i mean normally like i'm doing eight deals in a whole year and it's like yeah, wow yeah, I'm that two must deals. Definitely nice. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, sure. I, I definitely love it as well the contract stuff yeah. So really quickly then. So a lot of people may maybe through this period or whatever, but there, there will be recruiters that listen to this that, that do want to transition into retained. Yeah. Right. So um, like, have you had people come into your team before that has never done retained before and then they have to re do retained? Have you, has that yes. happened before or not? Yeah. So yeah. really quickly then let's like, what are the main challenges that you see that recruiters, I don't know, made, perceive themselves or assume or find difficult to go from not doing retain to doing retain like why why do because find, people find that difficult to do that transition so yeah. like from your perspective like why why do you think recruiters do, yeah. sort of find that challenging and, and no, what do people need to overcome yeah it's a it's a great question i think that the, the first thing is is uh you you if you peel back the onion skin it's do they actually ask the client can they be retained and so that's number one like that's number one you, it, it literally by, by asking ask, that you'll have even way more opportunities than you think yeah first yeah, actually ask, ask, yeah. ask the question because a, a lot of good contingent recruiters they've got a great relationship with the client but they don't know they do retain so if you don't ask you, you don't know yeah. so yeah. ask the question um the second thing is is um you you need to be perceived as being niche um a lot of recruitment companies it's quite broad in what they do and if you're broad then why would the client retain you yeah. 
that that's the key thing. If you generally are just doing one market, that's the market you operate in, then I would say that the only challenge not to do retained is just not by asking the question. Um, yeah. Because that's that's the main thing that I see with people coming in. And I say, well, look, did, did you actually ask the client? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Well, our company don't do that. But would your company take the business? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, ask the question. Yeah. So, so just quickly on this, because the, the common thing that I hear from recruiters when on this conversation is, okay, Blaney, yeah, I can ask, but what, what's the difference between retained and me just doing it contingent? Um, okay. I'm worried about if I don't deliver and these things, right? So what, like, if I say to you, well, okay, yeah, Blaine, I didn't ask, but what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you, you've got to back yourself 100%. You've got to have that mindset that you're going to deliver because if you don't deliver, then um, there'll be big, big problems and challenges for that, that client relationship moving forwards. Um, because when you're obviously pitching for retained businesses, you know, you're the go-to partner for that role. You're going to fill it um, and you'll do whatever you take to fill it. I'd say, so you've got to back yourself hundred um, percent on the retainer. You've also, I think the, the key thing is, is you've really got to understand the brief from the client. So the vacancy, you know, does it exist? I, I use the phrase purple squirrel to people all the time. You know, because a lot of clients, they just are looking for something that doesn't exist or it's two skill sets bought into one for obviously just one salary. And I always say to them, listen, I can't find this. You know, it's like me going to Richmond Park and looking for a purple squirrel and they laugh. But it's a great analogy because a lot of the time clients always want something that doesn't exist. So you've got to be known as that market specialist that can educate them on what they need. The, the other thing is, is, I'd say you've got to be able to justify why you should be retained and you've got to use like technology around you. So, you know, there's, there's tooling like, which isn't cheap, you know, like LinkedIn talent insights is a great tool. There's obviously Horsefly as well, which is another tool that you can use that basically takes all the data of the role that you need, puts it all into a very nice glossy PDF and tells you, where the where the uh, candidate might come from, where the company, how hard it is to find that person, and that's part of the service. Yeah, I would say you've got to you've got to offer a service um, if if you're going to be retained, um, yeah. especially at a board level, because yeah. otherwise the problem is is it's probably going to be quite challenging to to win it. Yeah. So so only thing on this, and then we'll we'll move on. Yeah. You just said if you don't deliver, there'll be big problems. Yeah. So well, you'd, you'd you, lose, the, you, lose the client relationship. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's just talk about that for a sec, because I think th- th- this sort of potentially happening is what stops a lot of people asking, right? Yeah. So, like, have you had that happen before, and how did you resolve it, or how did you overcome that? Like, talk to us okay. a bit about a time that yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. that happened and what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. So I had it once before. Um, it was the second year into my recruitment career. Um, I was working on a role in Germany and um, we found we found the lady um, for it. Um, she was going to do around a two hour drive every day to Frankfurt. She was totally, you know, sold it to me and the client that it was possible to do. Um, and then in the end, what happened was, is that um, for some sort of strange reason, she sort of said that she, she wasn't able to do it. And it was like within the first month. Um, 
And what happened was the client was like, well, you know, you told me she could do it. Obviously, she's told me she yeah. could do it. Um, but, you know, she's going to have to let she's going to have to go. Right. Um, and then instantly the client says, you know, look, we've paid all this money. Um, you know, we understand from your terms and conditions, you know, that, that that's sort of like the end of the road. Um, and he said, if that was the case, you know, I get it. That it's not your just your fault, but, you know, your qualification should have been much better. You know, he was a German guy, very senior. And they, you know, they're very protest driven, right? And um, I said to him, okay, well, look, you know, from a company point of view, yes, you're correct. We can't do anything. But from a personal point of view, um, I'll backfill the role. I'm not going to get any reward for it, but I'll, I'll backfill the role. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, what, what I did do was I, I went to my CEO, my last company, and he says, yeah, no, definitely, you know, go, go and do it, you know, fill the position. And then eight weeks later, I found a replacement candidate, but it wasn't easy because it was a really, really niche role. Um, yeah. And there wasn't many people in the area. Um, and, that, and that's, you've got to go the extra mile. If you're not prepared to go the extra mile, don't do retained work because it's yeah. not fair for your clients. But also, it's not fair for whether it's your own company or you're working for a company because you can lose business quite quickly if you don't deliver. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. that that's super interesting. So what I'd love to just get your thoughts on, Blaine, before we talk about Blaine, the, the business owner, is what people love to find out and know about on this podcast, Blaine, is what does Blaine's typical day look like? Yeah. Right? And that, that might be slightly different now when obviously you're a business owner, there's just way more hats to wear. So maybe maybe um, do it when you was someone that was just reliable for your own billings, right? So when you had your best year just yourself, the typical yeah. question that people want me to ask is, what did Blaine's day, what did Blaine's typical day look like? How did he structure his day when he was billing half that, 150K yeah. or less than that, compared to how it looked when he was billing 300, 350K? What would you say were the main differences were? So I, I think it was... At the start, I was like a sort of go, go in the office at, at half eight and, you know, leave leave at half five. Um, yeah. I was at the start of my career. I, I wanted to be in, then I wanted to be in the pub or the bar with my mates. Right. Uh, I didn't want to stick around. <laughs> yeah. And I would bill, you know, 150, 180, you know, yeah. with, without really, you know, breaking too much of a sweat. Yeah. Um, and then when I, you know, got more responsibility, for example, um, you know, I would be sort of pretty much the, the first one into the office and the last one out. Um, right, so let's break down that day then. Give it yeah. to me, come on. So, I, so I, I used to work literally 20 minutes from my, my house. Um, so I used to get up at 6 a.m. I used to go to the gym. I had a personal trainer at that point. <laughs> so I'd go and train with him in the morning for an hour. He'd like make me vomit and everything else at the start, <laughs> do loads of hit workouts. And then literally um, swim, sauna, shave in the office. Yeah. By sort of half past eight, half past eight to 11 o'clock. It was business development. You know, it was literally calling clients, seeing what business is out there Um speaking to them about you know their future plans future growth etc 
then I would then at 11 o'clock, I'd have an admin session of like half an hour. Then I would go outside, normally walk across to the Costa Coffee, grab myself a a latte, come back, literally candidate, market, market candidates out to these clients. That was like, you know, 12 till one, then go on lunch, one till two, two till five, business development again, back on speaking to clients, speaking to clients. Then from about five to literally my wife used to kill me until about 8 p.m. at night, I'd be marketing candidates out because what I normally found was is that most recruiters are like postmen, raw mail. You know, you don't know when they're going to come unless you've got like a, a time, you know, slot. But normally, you know, you're postman. Oh, okay. Send an email of a CV. Oh, well, I sent a CV out. Yeah, okay. But, you know, was it when the client was expecting it? No, I just sent the CV out. Okay, great. Well, I don't know where that email's gone. You don't even know if he's got it. He probably hasn't. He gets 100 emails a day. I didn't want to be the postman. I wanted to be the, I wanted to be the FedEx, yeah, that you get 15-minute time slot, show your ID, signature. They, they know when you come, you know, you are there with your ID. Otherwise, you ain't getting that parcel. And I would just make sure that I was known to be tying clients down. So I'd always say to my clients, when is good for me to send CVs to you? You know, when are you going to be online? When can you give me five minutes just to look through two or three profiles? When can you give me three slots of half an hour telephone calls so I can pre-book them in your diary? Yeah, trust me. Go with me. The candidates are good. I'm your trusted partner. We're going to work in this together. And I think that was the difference. That's what took me from 180K biller to three years running, billing over 300K individually and a practice billing over a million. That was the key thing. Um, you know, don't be raw mail postman. I've got nothing against raw mail, by the way. Yeah, but. no, it's a good analogy. It's a, it's a, no, it's a great analogy. It's really good. I love that. But that, that's, that, that. that was, that's, what, that's what took me to where I am today. Just be that go-to person, you know, uh, live and breathe your sector, speak at events. I used to be so nervous of like talking in crowds or right. anything right. I, no, I want to ask you yeah. about that right yeah, yeah, so just please yeah. no, I, will, I will ask you that so just final thing on that because I, I love yeah. I love that insight I think people will get a lot of value from that so let me ask you this question which is the final thing on this is I think this is such an interesting question but the question is that I, I get some from people um or got from a couple of people is is like when you get a high performing biller on they'd be really interested to know what you think is the most important action or KPI that you think contributed to your success yeah just just one yeah or like just what comes up for you what do you think are the most important action or one two three actions that you think yeah, really contribute think, to your success yeah so you've got to plan your day yeah that's that's so important so organization um, organization is so key um so if you plan your day and then also get you know a little, a little whiteboard or notes in your phone or something like that, but have three things that you want to achieve for that day. Mm. So planning and free, free goals. And that could be little steps, you know, it could be kind of, you know, speak to this client or speak to this candidate or do a video, you know, uh, on LinkedIn. It, it could be anything. Um, but business related, of course, but get three things that you want to achieve in a day and be planned. And then I think if you if you do that um, and you stick to that, you, you'll go far. Mm, love that. 
So let me ask you then, because you were talking about it. it was one of the questions that I sort of put down to prepare for this. Like, yeah, I saw that obviously you, you've spoken at um, a number of industry events. And look, I think, see, a lot of people that listen to this podcast will hear people talking about the importance of branding and, and these things, right? And and you, you said the word go-to a lot of the time, which is obviously what recruiters want to achieve, that go-to status. And yeah. obviously, yeah, being able to speak, gaining credibility through the actual industry and your industry peers will, will definitely help you do that. So I guess... If I'm someone listening to this where I'm like, I do want to have that opportunity to to speak at industry events or be invited or whatever, what 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 do you think you did that gave you that actual opportunity or to actually get invited to speak? How did that happen? So I um I actively approached a number of shows. Um at the first, you know, I was trying to call the event organizers. Um I was getting fobbed off, they just wasn't interested, you know. Who's Blaine Dawes? You know, we don't know you. You work for a recruitment company. I'm not the typical sweet spot for them. Um, then I um, I actually sent an email to the the sort of event owner. Um, and, you know, it was along the lines of, look, give me a shot. You know, give me uh, a slot that isn't, you know, in prime time. Just give me a shot. Let me deliver my message. There's a huge shortfall of talent I'm, I'm not here to sort of promote my business or my brand i'm there to generally talk about the industry and then um in the end they they i broke the ice um and i literally got my first one at the excel um it was data center world it was like a really not great slot <laughs> it was at the back of the room i remember um, and the audience was fairly, I mean, because it's at the Excel, it's fairly large. You could probably say, you know, maybe 40 people, for example, there. But considering, you know, you've got hundreds in the main arena, um, it was very small. But after that, for some reason, um, I, I, I don't know what it was, but loads of people after the event um, was coming up to me saying, you know, Blaine, look, it's a really interesting point. You know, we're really struggling with diversity, you know, within the, within the workforce. We're really struggling with um, getting young people, you know, like yourself into the sector. You know, what, what do you recommend? What do you do? And the event organizers instantly were like all over me like a rash. They're like, can you do Singapore? Can you do Frankfurt? Wow. Can you do Abu Dhabi? Can you do that? And I was like, wow, you know, for, for someone that basically was almost rejected from a lot of these events now, it's like they're approaching me saying, look, please like, speak at the event. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, you no, know, that's great. So great story. That, that, that's how I got in. So so just real quick one on this. I think people listening, yeah, they may see industry, uh, see events that they want to attend and stuff. So if, I, if I'm if i sort of sending you, Blaine, right, so I've, I've mapped out yeah. 10 events that I'd love to speak at. Obviously, I'm a yeah. recruiter. There's a good chance I might get rejected. Yeah. What would you, yeah. how would you encourage me to approach it? Like, what would my angle be? So it seems like what you said was like, look, I'm not there to sell. So that's rule number one, obviously, right? You're not yeah, that's there number to one, promote bro. your services, right? Yeah. So what yeah. was the angle? Because obviously you're not the data center expert. You don't get paid to do that, right? Yeah. You're never going to be as competent yeah. as those people. So yeah. to think that yeah. you can talk about something as technical as them, you're going to be worried about that, probably won't yeah. be that. So what, what was yeah. the angle then? Was it like, hey, I speak to people all the time and I know this is a problem, I think a bit like, yeah. how would you encourage I me to approach it, was, it? What would the angle be? Yeah, well, for me, I mean, in the data center world, it's known to be an older industry. There isn't much young talent come into it because 
you know, A, most people think data centers are not important, you know, and B, they don't even know what they are. You know, they think cloud and they look in the sky, for example. But it's <laughs> like, it, it, it's about really, you know, finding, there's always a shortfall in every single sector, yeah? Um, and it's just about finding what's the shortfall and, you know, can you add value to their show? If you can, then they'll have you on board. The key thing is, is just, You've got to know what you're speaking about. So I had a, a nice little glossy deck, one pager, sent it to them. This is what I'm going to cover. This is what I'm going to do. Here I am. Um, and, you know, ha- have a good shop window as well. I mean, social selling is big now. Um, you know, I- I've been big on LinkedIn for a while in terms of not like big influence or anything like that, but I just use LinkedIn a lot. Um, I publish content that I think is relevant for my target audience. And, um, you know, I think the event organizers look at that as well, you know, and recommendations help. Uh, Recommendations have really, really helped me throughout my recruitment career. Um, Yeah, I think that. uh, Yeah, no, I think that's that's a really good point. I think just the only point that I would add is like, yeah, as as a recruiter, if you're listening to this and want to have that opportunity to speak and be more involved in your industry, then yeah, don't forget the amount of people that you speak to in that industry compared to the actual people in it. So like if you think exactly. like how many sort of C-level people you speak to or over a year compared to how many CEOs speak to other CEOs in that year, it's going to be double, yeah, triple, yeah, yeah. triple that. So actually the value For that sure. you bring is is those insights, right? It's it's that, well, yeah. actually, yeah, I, you're the fifth CEO that I've spoken to this week that also shared this challenge. Oh, really? That's interesting. I thought it was the only person, right? And, and it's yeah, yeah. those insights that you can bring to the table and be the facilitator, right? And and sort exactly. of bring that out. So, okay. So last question on, um, uh, in terms of before you start on this business, just because when you shared your, your daily plan, there was a lot of time for business development. So for you personally, what's been the most effective method for you to grow your client base? In uh, for the business development side, yeah, yeah, like you can you can obviously refer to how you do it now, whatever. But in your experience, in your journey so far, like what's been the most effective method for Blaine to drum up business to grow your client yeah. base? Yeah, sure. Uh, meet meeting people face to face before COVID. Um, I was known even if I wasn't booking a client, I would always meet everyone face to face. Mm. Um, I think, I think it really helped me because you can look people in the eye, you know, and you can, they really get to know Blaine as well. Uh, not just so easy to fob people off on an email or a phone call. But what, what Um, was the, what was the, what was the, this is why you should sit down with me, even though I've got no, no jobs to talk to you about or anything like that. Like why, how did you get them to actually sit down with you? I think, yeah, so it was the work I've done in the sector. So obviously I was known for doing a lot of projects. I was very active on, like I say, social media, LinkedIn, um, you know, event shows, um, also speaking to multiple people daily because I enabled my reach was huge because I would do so much business development. So I, I was like, you know, the information gatherer. And I found out about things that they didn't even know what was going on in the sector. So when I'd sit, when I'd speak to someone, I'd say, look, you know, you should speak to me. You know, I know what's going on in the industry. I know these projects are coming up and this is like real information. It's not made up. And they would instantly sit back and think, wow, you know, you, you really do know your subject. Look, let's, let's have, you know, a half hour meeting. Sure. Um, 
And that, that, that was the key thing to me. Just know your industry and the business will come. Yeah. Okay. So what's been, what's been the most unexpected thing for Blaine then since having your own recruitment business that's happened so far? Staff. <laughs> oh, talk to me. What do you mean? Try, just trying to find the right staff is really, really challenging because, um, look, you know, we're, we're a startup recruitment business. Haven't been around long. Haven't got a track record like, you know, some, some of the bigger businesses, especially where we are um, in Monument. You know, there's lots of other big recruitment yeah. companies around. Um, and that's just been the real challenge, just, you know, trying to grow the recruitment business. Um, and just, you know, consultants work very differently to maybe how I've worked in the past. And it, it's just kind of just just seeing who culturally fits for the business because we're still very small. Um, mm. And, and that, that's been our biggest challenge so far. And I think it's everyone's challenge, just finding good staff um, and people that generally want to do recruitment as well because we've even been speaking to some graduates and it's quite refreshing actually. Um, you know, some, some of these individuals that I met, I was like really wowed by them. You know, it was that they were bringing something different and, and, and new ways and new ideas um, mm. and not just going for the traditional um, Rolexes, fast cars and lots of incentive trips that recruitment is known for. So what, what is it like, and you can obviously refer to your time being a leader and these things, but obviously even more so now, like what is it that you actually look for in, I don't know, you're probably working this out still, but like in terms of like what are the sort of non-negotiables for you when thinking about the sort of recipe for the, the culture that you want to build, but most importantly, the recipe you're looking for in people that you think can um, have the best possible chance of being successful in, in, in the environment that you have? Yeah, I think it, it. the key thing is is just people that are open to new ideas. Um, mm. There are certain individuals that think that, you know, this way that they've done it is the only way and they're not, they're not just not open to change. Um, and we found that a lot, you know, well, look, you know, okay, well, I've worked at this brand. This is how we do it. And, you know, this is the only way it should be done. And it's just really just trying to just find consultants that are open and want to learn new things so many people i speak to you know just because they build 250 or 300k you know they feel that you know they're the sort of daddy now you know there, there is no other way and it, this this is my way and no other way um we've found that a lot um there's a lot it's of arrogance and I, yeah just exactly just being open you know I, I love learning new things i think it's so important you know just keep an open mind you know I'm not the best recruiter out there. It's so important. I could learn stuff from some of my delivery team. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm still very much on the dance floor, right? You know, I'm not like on the balconies looking down at everyone. You know, yeah. I'm there, you know, I'm, I, I, I want to be part of it. And it's about finding people like that as well, because the level we're hiring at, we're trying to hire practice leads. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, it's about, well, okay, well, I want to, you know, I want a team of five, six people, you know, um, I want this, I want that. It's like a bucket list that they expect. Yeah. And why, so obviously through recruitment mentors, what one of our values is always be learning. It's, it's, it's the yeah. first one on there. And like, it's interesting because a lot, obviously I guess it's because of the, the people that I end up speaking to, but a lot of people really resonate with what you're saying, like, and, and generally have that open-mindedness to always be willing to learn. It's not everyone, yeah. obviously, but I think, no. why do you think people 
are closed-minded or even yeah prepared to learn new things i i think i think what it is is that some you know if an individual has been in recruitment for a certain amount of time obviously they get they they get their own way of working and they feel that well this is working so why change it you know why fix it um because it works but it might have worked way in their last company because that's how they worked but then in a startup environment it's really important to just be entrepreneurial but also be you know like a, a big family right you know um and not just be sort of sitting on the balcony all day um just looking down I I think yeah, right. you've got to lead by example it's pivotal well i, I think having the open having the open mindness typically there would be some humility that comes with that right like if if you're someone that has is open then there's a good chance that you'll sort of have a bit of humility to be like oh actually yeah blaine is has three years less experience than me but actually yeah he's got a really good idea there or even be open to that do you get what yeah, i mean yeah, rather than yeah. looking down exactly people, okay? exactly i mean so it's a mindset thing isn't it you know it's it's like with anything um it, it's just you know if you can just adjust and just be open and you know just try and le- learn new things um then you you might achieve stuff that you never even knew that you could achieve before. Yeah. What what's been the um the biggest positive so far since taking this leap? Because obviously you've been in the employed environment for over a decade, right? Yeah. So obviously yeah, yeah. you've done Good. well, but still it's still a a, a a leap of faith that's required. So like what's been the biggest positive so far this year? Big biggest positive was um we hired an individual. Um he was from a big agency before. Um, he's come in, um, he's already done two deals in about five weeks. Um, both of them really? deals were, yeah, yeah. Both of them deals were with uh, a client I knew, um, and I had been working with, I just wasn't working in that division of the technical side. I was doing the sales side and, uh, the feedback was, was, you know, we, we, we really like him, um, and we can trust him. And it was then words we can trust him. Nice. For me, I just was like, take a step back and think, wow, that's great. Because if I can build a, a search business, an agency, whatever people would like to call it, if I can build it on trust, then that would be a huge milestone for me. Because trust is uh, not not the most used word in recruitment. Yeah, for sure. So I've got five questions to finish this but before i do we're just talking a bit about mindset there like for you personally what what's been the sort of best piece of advice that you've received that's impacted your mindset or has, has helped you mentally oh best best one that i've got um i think i think the best the best piece was um a, cl- a client said to me before you know be open for change mm. And that was the best piece of advice that I ever had. It was a really senior exec at Google. And that was really, really, it, it, it hit me. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is so important. I think I, I just, that just sort of clicked with me, actually. Like, actually, one of the benefits out of working in the markets that you do that I didn't think of, actually, is that you probably get to speak to some pretty impressive like successful yeah. people but not just around the success yes. but people that are self-aware people that have been on their own journeys that actually you could probably learn a lot from which is what you just said right yeah i mean i've got about 10 different mentors 
from that are all between 50 and 70 um, that have all run global businesses. Um, and I speak to them once a quarter um, and I take 45 minutes of their time. And it's absolutely amazing. Um, it's been great. I love that. So I have to ask you about this because this is something that I get asked a lot and then I'll ask you these five questions. But for anyone that, that wants to be in that position, maybe not 10, but one or whatever, but like how how did you get yourself in that position to get that time in with these people? A lot of people don't know how, they know they want a mentor, but have no idea how to approach a mentor. How did you go about that? Yeah, I mean, the first, the, the, I know, again, it just sounds like I said the same thing, but just just ask people because um, most people would be open to it, you know, literally half hour, 45 minutes of their time. Um, but how, how did you approach it though? I think it's yeah. the how, how did, it's like, how do I ask is the challenge? So all of those were clients that I've okay. with and delivered on projects for. So they're all industry people that I know. Um, and, you know, I've just asked them for advice. You know, look, I'm a young, young guy, you know, um, hopefully up and coming. And, uh, you know, I, I want to learn new things. And also, you know, I'd, I would like some guidance. And they say, any time, Blaine. You know, I've, I've never been rejected to say, oh, well, look, I can't do that. Um, generally, people people will um, give you time. Yeah, especially if it's coming from the right, like, it seems like that was just actually really genuine, right? If, if it's coming from the right place, I think a lot of people would say yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it, all it is, is, you know, half an hour, it could be 15 minutes, you know, um, and it could be about anything. It doesn't just have to be work related. Yeah, no, I love that. That's awesome. I've got five questions for you. All right. Brilliant. First one, <laughs> First yeah. one is, if you could change the industry, what would you improve? Uh, I, I would improve the, the trust of recruitment in general. Um, I think recruitment has has a bad name, or it certainly did have a bad name. It's getting much better now, but yeah, I would just improve the the trust in the industry, you know, because uh, we're not all bad people, and I think we get slaughtered sometimes. Yeah, I love that. So this can this so the next question, like this, could be um, an audio. It could be something you watch or whatever. But the question is, like, what book have you read that has had the biggest impact on you? But that could be a could be a podcast. It could be something you've watched, but like what, what have you sort of consumed that's had the biggest impact on you? Yeah. So I, I, um, I watch a lot of Tony Robbins. Um, okay. I, I've watched a lot of these clips and seminars and stuff like that. Um, I actually want to do the, the one where he was in the Excel where you sort of walk across the fire. Uh, I've, the I've done that one. Have you done it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to do that. that. But yeah, but, yeah. So Tony Robbins been a big one for me. Um, that, that, that's, have you, that's have you my read, main thought. I, I love that. I don't know if you read or anything, but or audio book, but I, I would def, I read, um, when I sort of started on this whole sort of self-improvement development journey, I, one of the books I read quite early on was his book called Awaken the Giant Within. And, and that's a great book. And it's actually a lot of the things that he talks about okay. like live event. So I'd, I would definitely okay. recommend that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get that. I'm not, I'm not a huge reader, but if it's on audio, well, like, oh, for audio, yeah, you'd be able to get it on audio, but for sure, yeah, fine. Um, nice. So next question: If you could write a LinkedIn post that could be seen by every single recruitment consultant across the world, what would you want it to say? Oh, 
That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to say. Um, I think I, th- I think if I was so if it was just targeted for recruitment consultants, um, I, I I would typically say say to them all of them to you know back themselves a hundred percent because I I speak to so many people that have so much self doubt, and I, I it would be along the lines of uh, that healthy mind one you know get up in the morning healthy mind and, and back yourself you know you're, you're good at what you do. Um, so many people hide behind a, a big company um, and sometimes all, all the brand takes all the credit, but it's all about the individuals. And that's why we've built wanted on you know, individuality is our strength. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's what I would say, you know, back yourself. Love that. What did you spend your first biggest commission paycheck on? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, my 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 ex CEO would laugh at this. It was a it was a Rolex watch. Ah, oh, here he is. <laughs> <laughs> what Rolex did you get? It was a Rolex watch. It, I, I done quite well because it was actually a stainless steel Rolex Daytona um, that I actually um, before I get robbed after this podcast, I actually sold <laughs> sold it um, about a year and a half ago, and um, I think at the time I paid around 9,000 and I sold it for 22,000. Oh, decent. That's obviously the good thing about those watches, isn't it? That they actually can grow in value. Yeah. But, but my wife at the time when I was buying that watch, um, she was not, she was not so happy. Wasn't pleased. (laughs) But she was pleased because it gave, it got the funding, got some of the funding we've uh, wanted. So it was good. (laughs) last question what what is the ultimate goal for your recruitment career blaine so i would i would love to just build an agency full of open and trusted consultants for me that's the 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 most important goal um i just want a really good agency that people trust and really value um however big or however small it is. I just think it's so important to do a, a good job. Love that. Blaine, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. No, no, great, great. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.